Oh, yeah. Yeah. I am further faster, baby. <laughs> what is going on? It's your boy Preston, Fat Samurai Guy, back again with another video. Hanging out with the two legends. They have returned the Master of Remaster. Here he is, Frank Jang. Welcome back, brother. Thank and you. Kung Fu Santa. He, he is a marvel. He is a marvel. That's right. Kung Fu Santa himself, Rick Myers. Welcome back, brother. How are Kung you? Kung Fu Marvel. Kung Fu Kung Yes, Kung Fu Marvel. Yes, yes. Mr. Marvel. Yes, Mr. Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to see everybody back and everybody watching right now. That's right. Hey, Tino, what is going on? Good to see no. everybody watching because we are talking sci-fi today, baby, because we love our action, we love our martial arts, we love our horror, but we're doing sci-fi. No, no, you're talking, about, you're yes. talking sci-fi. I'm talking science fiction. Ah, okay. Look at that. Different. <laughs> different. <It's> different. <laughs> but before we get started, uh, we're going to rewind a little bit to a little bit of, of, of some more action-oriented content before we get into the science fiction. We got a little special message from somebody. My name is Silvio Simak. I need your help. Click on the Indiegogo link below. What? That's right. The legend himself, Silvio Simak. That's right. Right now, the contract is on Indiegogo. Check the link in the description. We have a plethora of amazing talent involved. Nick Blade Khan, Ron Smorenberg, and Silvio Simak. And uh, soon to be announced, many more. So check out the link <laughs> and support independent cinema, baby. We got to get this movie made and get it out there. Yes. Yeah, so click on that link below for the contract. Yes. Yeah, Cynthia Rothrock is leading the way. She just finished filming her her movie, yes. also yeah. independently financed. Yeah. And she's ecstatic. And I'm ecstatic because now all these guys, everybody will follow her lead. Yes. Yes. And hopefully we can get the, the contract off the ground. What is going on? We got Kevin from the entertainment headquarters. What's going on there? David Hurd, good to see everyone. Severio, yes. And Rhett, good to see everyone here. And Tyler, yes. All right. So we're going to kick it off in the little sci fi faction here. And we're going to talk about <laughs> everyone's most anticipated movie of 2023. No, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> it's a joke. Least, least anticipated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's comedy. Here we go. The Marvels. You guys know I did not see it, but Frank and Rick has seen it. Thoughts? We will start with Frank. Go ahead, brother. Really? Okay. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, yeah, Frank, beauty, beauty before age. Beauty before <laughs> age. So, you know, I mean, like, by now, you you know, if you, if you are, I mean, we were at, what, 34 movies in now? So, by now, you're either with Marvel or you're not, right? So, and to me, this film really uh, personalized what I like and I don't like about Marvel in general. Okay. You know? All right. And and it's almost like a love hate relationship, you know. I like like you know, and, you know, like after seeing so many stuff, following all these you know, TV series and all that stuff, you you want to you want their movie to be successful, every single one of them, right? So this year, you know, Ant Man sucks i'm sorry that that movie sucks yes yeah. uh, although the story itself is actually okay you know the, i mean you know the story at least play play it out yeah uh garden of the galaxy fantastic fantastic movie um and then and now we'll come to this one 
So first off, you don't really need to see all those TV series to really appreciate this film, although it would be nice uh, for you to have seen, at the very least, uh, Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel, yeah. yeah. Because it didn't, you know, because you need to watch Ms. Marvel to familiar yourself with, not not just the character, yeah. also her family and all that stuff. Because this film does not tell you who they are; they just put you right into her world, right? So, so you do need a little bit of familiarity with that series. But other than that, you don't really need to. I mean, well, I you know, go well, ahead. Also, it would help with WandaVision for the other Marvel. Right, the the one version for the just knowing the fact that she has supernatural powers. Because, the Rambo, the Rambo character, the Rambo, the the, yeah. the Monica Rambo character. So, but but to me, I mean, watch you know, having watched Miss Marvel has been more important than one vision. Oh but, yeah. So anyway, so look, I had fun with this movie. I thought it was fun. Uh, it was very lighthearted. It was very airy, and I think uh, I think her name is Iman Vellani. Yes. Yeah. So Iman Vellani was great. She, I think she's probably one of the best actresses. Most recent best actress in this Marvel universe. Okay, um, and the fact that she looked up to Robert Downey Jr. You know, show great well, Iron Man. Yeah, Iron, Iron Man. Man. Yeah, she yeah. said her real life idol was Robert Downey Jr. And then Iron Man is her favorite uh, Marvel film. So, so that that I think that bodes well for her, both as a character and as an actress. Uh, special effects are fine. You know, I, I you know I thought Ant Man special effects were horrible, very <laughs> CG, very, I mean, just flat here. I saw IMAX 3D and the 3D was just beautiful. Um, you know, lots of layering, nice, nice depth, nice layering, and and the special effects looks fine. Uh, and the action sequence, particular, you know, the, the it's too bad that the best action sequence happened in the you know opening like 20 minutes of the film with that nice little fight oh. where they were switching simultaneous between locations, you know, because they somehow got this power to to you know change location stuff. That was a fantastic fight. I thought I thought that was. Um, as good as something like coming fail from like a Hong Kong cinema thing. I mean, it reminded me of a Hong wow. Kong cinema fight scene. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. No, it was good. It was really good. But then the film kind of went a little bit slightly downhill from there. And and there's some silly moments, which I don't really don't think jive with the film, especially with that singing sequence. Um, and my main problem with this film was it really didn't, move the narrative of the phase five forward that much until the last two scenes, you know, the final scene yeah. and, and the mid-credit scene. And I'll tell you what I thought. Okay, well, well, the main thing was the villain was horrible. I mean, the depiction of the villain was horrible. Very stupid. Yeah. I mean, she was just your typical Marvel villain out to destroy a planet and that crap. It would have been so much. And also the fact that they didn't do, they hardly did it. And uh, they did a piss poor job relating this film to the first Captain Marvel film. I mean, this was supposedly a sequel, right? This was this is really Captain Marvel too. Now, what they should have done, I thought, was in the beginning we showed the the Darban, the villain character as a kid, seeing the what happened to her planet, right, and heard about oh the Annihilator, all that stuff, right, and but we didn't we don't know who that was. We don't know who did that to the planet. Only later on, like after she grew up and all that stuff, did we find out that okay. The annihilator was actually Captain Marvel, who destroyed the AI and all that stuff. And so, so he gave her a much more convincing motive for her revenge for whatever she wanted to do. Right? She wanted to get back to Captain Marvel because she screwed up her planet. I think that would have been a much better way to pave the path for the villain's motive. Mm -hmm. uh, here, you just like put her there, say we find this thing, we're going to destroy Captain Marvel, we'll take the planet back. Well, with you know, really without much of a motivation, you know. Uh, didn't go deep into her motivation. That's what I'm trying to say. But other than that, you know, 
it was a nice little like hundred minute film. It's not long. It doesn't drag. You know, action moves slow. Uh, you know, it flows very kind of you know fast. And and again, like I said, that two uh, to me the opening action sequence, the effect, and that two final scene kind of it kind of made me a little bit more excited about what's going to come. I mean, if, if in fact that's what they're going to do with that with that yes. two, you know, the final scene and the mid credit scene. Yes. Now, here's the situation. I'm glad we were delayed for a week because my review of this movie would have been slightly different last week than it is today. Because mm. a lot happened over the last week. Um, ultimately, people are beginning to see that this is not as bad as everybody said it was originally because okay. it's better than Thor, Love and Thunder. It's okay. better than Secret Invasion. It's better than Quantumania. So there's Sarah saying, everybody just calm down. And here's the other thing. Bob Iger was interviewed this week. And I attribute all the flaws of this movie, of which there are many, because we're not even really actually seeing the movie that was being made over the last three years. And in the last three years, there was somebody different heading Disney. And the person who was heading Disney for the last three years couldn't have done a better job sabotaging Disney if he was paid for it. Mm. My, my theory is that Chappick, the previous CEO, was being paid by all the other studios in Hollywood to sabotage Disney because he could not have done a better job. And this week, Bob Iger said, we have to start concentrating on quality, not quantity, and we have to get our focus back. We have lost our focus. And I've been saying this all along, because it really looked like Feige and Iger had the magic formula because they did it up until Endgame. And then suddenly they throw up, they throw all that out. They just throw it away. And it just didn't make any sense. It was yeah. like, we want this to be ruined. We want to destroy this. So the Marvels, you can clearly see if, you, if you're a filmmaker or even a veteran film watcher the way we are, you can see that this is a lot like Love and Thunder in that it's three different movies crammed together. Mm. And they don't really do a lot of connections. And sometimes they just, I, you know, it's funny. It was like watching a beloved child doing, you know, doing their little act or their acrobatic act. You know, you go to their school to watch their show and then it's just not going the way it should be going. There's something going wrong. So I wasn't angry at this movie. I was only disappointed. And mm. I was disappointed whenever something contrived happened. Contrivance in movie is my least favorite thing. The scene where uh, uh, Nick Fury takes uh, Ms. Marvel's family up to outer space. It's like, okay, once they get to outer space, it's fun. We've got the Flurgles. We got the cats. We got all that stuff. But there's absolutely no reason for him to bring them to outer space. Absolutely mm -hmm. none. Well, the, they, they sort of explain because their house are destroyed again. But no, yeah. I agree with you. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Also. It doesn't. And a lot of the movies don't make sense. The other thing, Rambo's entire motivation in this film, like the villain, is contrived. It's entirely and utterly contrived. They just want to have something move things right. along. Yeah. Everything moves along. There's right. no depth, but of course, Ms. Marvel and the actress who plays her, she she does she can't save the movie. 
but mm. she kind of does. I mean, she she's does. just a breath of fresh air the whole time. The thing moves along, and it's just a nice filler. And again, it's not as bad as those other things. So there mm. is hope. I'm really hope because one of my big complaints all along was the way I'm watching the girl who plays America Ferrara from Multiverse of Madness. Also, it's better than Multiverse of Madness. As far as I'm concerned, the Marvels is better than Multiverse of Madness, too. And so the idea that she and America go... Uh, Chavez. Chavez. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, Hawkeye's... Is, Hawkeye's yeah. yeah. Are going Nate to be in the Young Avengers is thrilling to me. Oh, yeah. Again, a whole movie full of breath, fresh air. That would be, and also the X Men coming back and the uh, Fantastic Four coming back, and hopefully with Feige in, in full control, with Iger's backing, and again, only one Marvel movie next year, only one, giving them time to get get back to basics. So which again, the, which which Marvel movies next year? Deadpool, uh, Deadpool three, Deadpool okay. three, okay. And that's going to set up things big time. That's really going to, and also, that's probably, that's probably the only one where I'm like really intrigued. Like, yeah, you know, but also, fingers the other crossed. Extremely hopeful thing that happened this week was the final episode of Loki. Don't say it. I haven't seen it. Don't spoil oh, it. But well, all I'll say to you, Frank, is OMG. Yeah, no. <laughs> Loki, I've, I mean, I've seen the first three episodes of season two, but I love it. I think it's a fantastic. Well, you ain't seen nothing yet. All right, good. That last episode is just like, okay. oh, I mean, I want to I embrace the television. <laughs> I kiss the screen. No, I want to bring back to your point about Nick Fury. Exactly. That's another one of my major complaints right. about this right, film. Right, right. Like the the sort of like the degrade the degrading of the continuing degrading. Right. Because secret secret invasion just completely fucked him. Yeah, I mean yeah. to just to, to have him from this badass mofo. Yeah. Comic relief is very concerning, you know. Yeah, and this and this idiot in secret invasion. So yeah, yeah, it's very concerning. But hopefully so, they'll get their act together now. Yeah, right. Chappic's but, gone. But, Black girl magic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like every line he says is like trying to be funny. It's like you don't need that. And, well, and then again, another thing is I don't understand. Okay, I know that you know the Marvel family, you know her 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 house got destroyed from that opening great fight scene. But why move them all the way to Louisiana? She's supposed mm. to go back to school. What about her parents' work? Or what about her brother? You know, they're all supposed to have jobs there or what have you. So why all of a sudden they move from Jersey to Louisiana? It doesn't make any sense. And they didn't explain it, you know. So. No, my, it's not It's not my favorite movie. My favorite review I heard of this movie, which I think is very accurate, was by my friend Matthias, who said, it's fun shit. And it's like, yeah. But no, it is fun. Yeah. And it is better than those secret So it's, it's good, bad. It's good, bad. Uh, it's not, it's not, yeah, it's not... <laughs> It's not bad. It's not great. Okay. It's fun. It's okay. fun. It's fun. And, it's and, fun. Yeah. And didn't hurt the overall <laughs> phase five narrative. And, and Miss Marvel is great. And, and she's, I mean, it's worth seeing, worth seeing it just for her alone. You know, yeah. Melanie is fantastic. And by the way, I like the musical number because they established that on the Miss Marvel series. But what I didn't like is that then they didn't fight to music. Exactly. I always wanted them to fight. If they're going to be all music and they can't do anything without music, their fighting should be musical yes. too. Yes, I agree. And all, all like they should be singing while they were fighting. You know? Yeah, I was disappointed by that. That was yeah. yeah. Anyway, but, fi let's, but, but no, financially it didn't do well, right? 
Yes, but I think it's going to be like elementals. I'm pretty sure because now I've been seeing a lot of people going, it's really not that bad. Oh. And unless people want to go see the movies that are coming out next week, I think it may be like elementals in Zootopia and make more money its second week than it did the first. I think that was exactly what's happening right now. I, think I just read an article about it and they were surprised by the box office like today. Yeah. Yeah. Because the word went out, because I've, I've been saying all these years in urban action, I mean, uh, uh, action film autopsy, that mm. the audience is always right. And mm -hmm. you can always tell from what the audience does. And if your friends come to you and say, no, it really wasn't that bad. Because now, because of the, uh, social media, everybody hates everything. Mm -hmm. Everybody mm -hmm. loves everything. Yep. I mean, when you look at the reviews for the Marvels that came out of the theater, again, it's the same thing you always get. Some people absolutely loved it. Some people absolutely hated it. Mm -hmm. And usually you have to wait for people mm. to, human beings who are not being paid by the studio, to actually see right. it and tell you what they think. Mm -hmm. and, and, so see, okay. yeah. and see it in 3D if you can, because 3D was actually very well done. Okay, right. I don't care. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get on to the main subject. Enough about the models. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, All me, right. Let, so let me put on my new jacket. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. I'll wait till you come back. Oh, no, no, I'm here. I'm right here. I have my jacket. Oh, okay. All right. New jacket <laughs> uh, there. there let go. me show you my jacket. This was oh, given yeah, to me, me at when I was a, a guest of honor and the media specialist at the World Science Fiction Convention in L.A. The third L.A. World Science Fiction Convention. How many years is that? Oh, long time ago. I can't even remember how long wow. ago that was. Still in very good shape. Oh, it's excellent shape. I was mm -hmm. I've been wearing it a lot in this autumn time. But in any case, yeah, they made they uh they got this for me and they gave it to me. And uh it's the LA Con. Oops, wrong. Let's see. There we go. This one. Here we go. Yes, LA Con three. All right. So that's again, I'm the science fiction guy, not the sci-fi guy, <laughs> the science fiction guy. Yes. I wrote this book, the great science fiction films, also many years ago. <laughs> and I wrote, ooh, and I wrote uh, Doomstar. My son, oh yeah, look at this. They gave me this too. Ooh. It sold well enough that I got one of these. Ah. The Renegade Trio. And also, um, I, I think, I don't know if I told you this story. Um, I, got, I had a meeting many, many years ago in the 80s uh, with uh, uh, Disney. Who wanted who wanted to talk to me about buying this book? Yeah. And so I came in and I talked to them, and then they didn't buy the book. But suddenly, all sorts of pieces of this book starts appearing in other movies. Aha! Uh -huh. in, in, in their movies, in Last Jedi, mm. and uh, in Treasure Planet. Hmm. Uh, yeah. That, so that so cover's I, amazing. That cover's amazing. Oh, that's by the great Don yeah. Mates. It's yeah. really it's awesome. and also I I uh, friend people are still sending me lovely letters about that so yeah. i and also i was an editor for starlog magazine and so i've i've had a great history oh yeah and i i wrote the chinese space station uh chapters in william shatner's last science fiction novel Ground wow Stale. all right and he mentions i can say that because he mentions me in the book there you go it was anyway, a again? it's called grounds what is it called it's called uh zero g okay Jeff Rovin and William Shatner, Zero G, a novel. Spock. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating, Captain. Ah, oh, look oh. at that. Nice, Frank. And William <laughs> Shatner taught me how to interview people when I was working for Starlog. He was the one who ah. always said, remember, it's not about you. It's about right. the person. He, basically, he said, it's not about you. 
It's about me. <laughs> Don't so, tell me about you. Classic Shatner. about me. And yeah, I went, yeah. you're absolutely right, Bill. All right, all right. Anyway. All so, right, so I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to be short and sweet. Uh, and then we're going to go to Frank and Rick. Uh, so really quickly, I'm starting with uh, honorable mentions. Fat Samurai guy's honorable mentions here. So we're going to go. I'll start at the bottom here. These are my honorable mentions. Pacific Rim, Flash Gordon, Equilibrium, Event Horizon, Avengers Infinity War slash Endgame, Pandorum, yes, Moon, Hardware, Cube, They Live. Yes, those are my That's honorable all, mentions. They're all honorable mentions? Yeah, those are just wow. my honorable mentions, just for fun. Pretty all right, good. so my top 10 sci-fi. I'm going to start with uh, number 10. <clears throat> the Invisible Man, the original. Yes, The Invisible Man. Uh, Blade Runner, number nine. Damn. Number eight, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. What? Number seven, Back to the Future. All right. Number six, District Nine. Number five, Dark Shitty. Yes. Number four, The Blob from the 80s, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Number three, Alien. Number two, The Thing. And number one, Empire Strikes Back. That's my number one sci-fi movie. Now, action sci-fi. And then we'll head over to Frank. Number 10, The Matrix. Number nine, Edge of Tomorrow. Number eight, Total Recall. Recall, recall, recall. Number seven, Looper. Number six, Starship Troopers. Number five, Upgrade. Number four, Robocop. Number three, Terminator 2 slash Terminator. Number two, Aliens. And number one, because you know I'm biased. You know I'm biased, Predator baby. Number one for the old samurai. Your, your head uh, covered it so we couldn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, here we go. <laughs> Still covered. <laughs> there you go. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Movie Dojo Army. They know me. They know me well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now we got Fats picks out of the way. Uh, Frank. You were up. You guys have your lists in front of you, right? Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. Perfect. All so right. are we doing sci-fi first? I guess. Yeah. Do sci-fi sci first, Frank. Okay. So my top ten from number ten is a tie. Mm -hmm. Is twenty ten? You know, two thousand and ten. And you know, Peter. I mean, look. I mean, I'm a Peter Himes fan. What can I say? And I thought that was a good sequel. I thought it was great. You know, obviously, some mystery should never have been, you know, explained in that film. It's, but it's, I, I, yeah. I really loved the final twenty minutes. I mean, that whole final twenty minutes was great, especially when, you know, when they're trying to rescue. I mean, you know, when they're trying to hide the fact from how that they're in danger and all. That. I think that whole sequence, I thought it was just fantastic. People were like, you know, people and I had tears in their eye when I saw it in in the theater. So anyway, so that's number ten. But it's actually tied with. The 1984 version of Doom, the David Lynch version. I thought it's very good. It was great world building, great images. Uh, I remember at that time, I think it was a Roger Ebert or somebody who said it was like the worst movie of that year. And I, I loved it. I mean, I loved it the moment I saw it. I just think that, you know, David Lynch created this wonderful world. It, it, it's a great visualization of the novel. So that's Ty. So a little bit, you know. Yeah, I just try to fit in. So tie number ten. So number nine, Escape from New York. Yeah, wonderful film. John Carpenter, great atmosphere, great snake, music. snake. You know, call me snake. You know, you know. I thought you were taller, but anyway, great, great, <laughs> great, great film. Very atmospheric. You know, and low budget, but I mean, no, I mean it's great. Again, I you know I talk 
many times in our previous show that I like, you know, when when a sci-fi film does great world building, that you know that for me that can go a long way. So number nine for this. Number eight, Minority Report with Tom Cruise. Oh. Wonderful. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> All right. I, it, you know, it, hey, it's your we're, picks, Frank. We're Siskel and Ebert. Yeah, we're Siskel and Ebert. You know, yeah. I mean, you're I'm, doing I'm, thumbs up I'm on sure doing doing <laughs> So anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> for not so obviously, but no, I, I mean, I enjoy Minority Report, and I also like the fact that that final twenty minutes it can be, you know, it's so ambiguous. You can thought of it as either real or it's all in his dream. You know, that final. You know, the final 20 minutes and so forth. Anyway, so again, great world building, great effects, great music, strings only. You know, I mean, uh, John Williams was trying to imitate Bernard Herman. So the soundtrack for this film has no other instrument, just strings. So I thought that was a nice little touch. Uh, number seven, Blade Runner 2049. Good continuation of the story. A bit long, but still, again, great world building. Uh, the, you know, and also introduce us to the wonderful girl who, who would, you know, Anna, who will eventually become Bond girl in No Time to Die. And, and, you know, I thought she was fantastic. Uh, number six, TXX 1138. Again, very dystopian future, very stark, very, you know, you know, very dark, you know, down, depressing of a film, which I don't usually like in my sci-fi. And yeah, and, and, and I mean, I just think in, in many ways, just, I thought this was George Lucas' best film. Number five, Close Encounter of the Third Kind. Yeah. Um, just a nice build up to the final sequence, which, you know, it didn't disappoint, you know, because the, you know, it was a very nice suspenseful build up and you expecting something great at the end. And again, Spielberg didn't disappoint us. Number four, Dark City. Hey, hey. Hey, yeah, no, fantastic film. Love this film. I mean, again, world building, original sci fi, you know, William Hurt and Jennifer Connolly. Come on. Um, of great art direction too. Um, so top three, number three, the new Dune movie. Uh, again, great world building, and and I think it's a fantastic realization of the novel because obviously he has more time than David Lynch. He didn't have as much of the you know trouble in making that film as David Lynch did, so he was able to expand his world much more, spend more time, you know, explore more things in the novel, but in the film. And it's too bad that part two got delayed. That's all I can say. And I, I, I was really hoping to see it. But, oh, well, we'll see it in March. So so that's number three. Number two, Blade Runner. You know, great classic. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, and finally, the, my number one sci-fi movie. Howard the Duck. What? Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck, right? Howard Howard the Duck. Yeah, that's my number one movie. No. That's not a science fiction. That's not even sci-fi film. It's not? It's got aliens in it. No, no, no. My number one sci-fi film will always be 2001 Space Odyssey. You know, the first time I saw this film, it was in the worst condition. I actually saw it on TV on a local syndication channel showing in full screen, not letterbox. And even though that was the condition that I saw this film in for the first time, I was just mesmerized. And so, and whenever there's a chance, I always go see this in, in the, you know, in the movie theater. I've seen this in the movie theater at least four times now. And you know, with the like with San Francisco Symphony, they play the score live, and then they show it in IMAX twice, and then they show it once in like seventy millimeter. I, you know, I mean, to me, that's just probably the greatest sci-fi film ever made. 
We watched it in 4K, um, and that was my first time seeing it. I've never seen it before. And when we watched it in 4K here at the house, I was we were like Whoa. blown away. We were like, yeah. how 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 old is this movie? I know exactly. The special effects are like better. Right. All the films today, like right. it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. It's timeless. I mean, it was made in 1968. Yeah. Yeah. And, another and, great yeah. example of a movie being made for the brain as well as the eyes. Right. Ah, yes. Because that ties in. And so now let me do my top 10, then we can go to the action ones. Really quick, really quick, just a quick reminder yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Here on the channel, me and Frank have dissected and reviewed Blade Runner uh, 2049, uh, the uh, Dune as well, and uh, the original Blade Runner. So if you guys want to uh, hear what we thought about the film in detail, uh, check out those reviews here on the channel. Yeah. All right. So... Are we going to go to yours, Rick, or you want to yeah, fight? Go to his... I mean, All right. No, yeah, that okay. way we can go back and forth. Sounds good. Let me bring it up here. Yeah, because we're doing science. Then we'll do the action stuff. All right. So, let, well, while you're doing that, mm -hmm. I will say that it was interesting. I've been very, I was very lucky to have been born at the end of the golden age of science fiction literature, and basically, I have writ, I have read, I read every mystery book published. Uh, and in the library, uh, and every science fiction book, I would, I would, I would always read science fiction, mystery, science fiction, mystery. And at my height, I was reading five books a week and I would clear out the school library. I would clear out the town library. I read every single science fiction book, every single mystery book and until 1975, because basically both genres started to stumble and die as books. They're still being published, but nobody's doing anything original because everything had been done before. And so I, I followed the literary aspects of the great thinking. And also I was able to start writing uh, nonfiction books on science fiction film and my own science fiction novels. And it was incredibly, and all the other authors were incredibly supportive and very smart and very nice. So that's what I was gravitating to when I was seeing the movies. I wanted to see movies that reflected what these books were doing. And what was interesting is I was really excited about going to see Minority Report because it was a science fiction mystery. It was a policeman in the future and all the rest of it. And I was stunned by how incredibly stupid it was. It has it has some of the most stupid stuff in it. And I mean, I, I did lectures on Minority Report. I, I would tell my, my, my film students at the University of Bridgeport every single thing that made no sense in that movie. And there was a lot of it. Was it the ending? The ending was part of it, but okay. there are stupid things throughout. There's so mm. many stupid things in that movie that just don't make any sort of logical sense. That I would, I, while I'm watching, I'm going, and the mystery is awful. The mystery is just so dumb. So, in any case, I just wanted to get off that. That's why I did this when you mentioned that it's one of your best. Well, let me ask you do you think that final sequence was it in his mind or did it actually happen? It was irrelevant whether it was in his mind or real because the whole movie, I was hoping the whole movie would, well, no, the whole movie, when I go to a movie, I expect the movie to exist on its own basis while I'm in the theater. Because as soon as I leave, I go, well, that was a movie. So I don't expect it to be real. The whole, the, the, I mean, I'm going to be mentioning a movie that I thought 
was everything that Minority Report wasn't. And we'll get to that when I get to it in the list. Uh, and again, it doesn't matter what the character thinks. It's a matter of what the filmmaker makes me feel or think. Mm. So the fact that you couldn't decide whether that was real or not showed me just an, it just another bad thing about the movie. In other words, the, that's, that is a contrivance when they do that kind of thing to the audience, when it's clear that the, the, the filmmakers don't know what they're doing and just want to say, was it real or was it fake? It's like, no, you tell me. It's not my job to tell you. So be that as it may. Let me start. I'm not going to go from best to worst. I'm going to go through my list via the dates they were released. I'm going right. through it chronologically. Yeah. Yeah. And so two, two years before I was born, The Day the Earth Stood Still came out, which is one of the great brain science fiction films. Look at that shot. Yeah, I mean, this is it's Michael, amazing. Yeah, it's if again, all of these things are just classic, and there and this is directed by one of the great direct under. He's not really underrated, but he's he, he should have been because he was so versatile. People haven't given him the due that they give to David Lean or, or Stanley Kubrick or whatever. This is Robert Wise, and also because one of his last films was the Star Trek movie, which where he was totally cut off at the knees. He's not remembered, but he also made the Andromeda Strain, which is not on my list, but is another great science. That's a great film, Andromeda yeah. Strain. And so is the day the Earth stood still. It's st that also will hold up. Number two, the first the movie that set the stage for Star Wars and <clears throat> Star and especially Star Trek, and that's Forbidden Planet, nineteen fifty six. I mean, very, very clearly, Gene Roddenberry was inspired by this movie. And it is a Star Trek movie before Star Trek. The captain was, there's Leslie Nielsen as the captain before he started doing his comedy, playing it completely straight. I thought and that it, was him. I was going to ask you. Yeah. And because <laughs> he did, he did, he played in a lot of straight movies before right. uh, he did uh, Airplane. And this was one where he was playing clearly the pattern for Captain Kirk. So another great film. Then the big one, I mean, I love the British stuff because the British always took, there's a reason that Doctor Who started in 1962 in England because they have a great love and they have great, great cerebral science fiction authors. And Quatermass in the Pit came out in 1967. There are a whole series. Quatermass was mostly seen on television in continuing uh, uh, limited uh, limited series shows, and they were always always pushing the envelope. And this is a movie version of the original Quatermass in the Pit television series, uh, which talked about a an alien race many millennia, millennia ago brought humans to Earth, and the kind and the stuff that is created in humans' minds when they realize this happened. It's a wonderful little movie. And I saw it the first day I went to college. When I, again, another great thing about all these movies is they all established wonderful cinematic experiences for me. See, I don't care that much whether it's 3D or whether it's IMAX, but the theater experience for these movies, uh, before VFX has taken over, when everything was done real, was done practically. 
seeing it in the theater was always an amazing experience. So I spent seven hours walking around Boston when I went for my first day at Emerson College. And I wandered into Cambridge and I discovered the Orson Welles cinema. And they were showing this movie the, the day I arrived in Boston. And I went in and saw it and I was so thrilled. It was, it was I think, six miles away from where I was staying on, in Beacon, on Beacon Hill. And I ran all the way home because wow. this movie was so exciting to me. Why did you run home? Because I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't contain myself. It was just, remember, I was, I was, a, I was an 18-year-old fellow. Okay. You know, it was like, uh, oh, it, it was just an amazing, the, that set, my, uh, that set my, the standard for my uh, college experience. And I love Boston as a college town. And then four, oh my gosh, 1968 is, yeah, the prime year for science fiction for me. It you was, did it! You, you blew it up. up! You bastards! Well, this was, this came out, it's like, it was like st what Steven Spielberg did with Jurassic Park and uh, Schindler's List. That came out the same year. This came out the same year as the greatest science fiction movie of all time, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I saw 2001 first, but I'm putting this first. I saw them both at the Cinerama Cinema in, in Times Square, New York, which doesn't exist anymore. And it was, it was one of the great movie theaters of all time. I walked in and they had recreated the Garden of the... Uh, the, the great eight master, they have it in the movie where you have the kids all playing around the statue of the great eight master. And they recreated it in the lobby of the Cinerama Theater. Wow. And, the, and it was a huge theater, beautifully appointed. And again, when it, that ending came, uh, Charlton Heston, all the apes, again, legitimate science fiction, Franklin Schaffner, who also made Patton. And then... I came back. My dad brought me the next the next time, two thousand and one. He we had to get advanced tickets. Every they, everybody had their own seat, like going to the theater. And so the next movie is two thousand and one: A Space Odyssey. We were sitting in the front row of the balcony, and when that opening shot hit, my father had turned and looked at me because he could see I was slowly leaning forward. I was about to go off the balcony because because it was the Cinerama Theater and this and by the way Frank this you thought you think this this was better than 3D this was better than that that was I mean it was a real 3D cinema it was you know it just completely covered with my you. vision right. yeah and I, I was be, just being drawn to that shot when the when the moon and the earth and the sun I was just like I almost felt. I almost fell off the balcony. And the rest of the movie was just super amazing. And I remember I had already read all these novels. I had read all the works of Arthur C. Clarke. Arthur C. Clarke did not write 2001 A Space Odyssey as a book until the movie. Then he wrote Childhood's End, a short story that the movie was based on. Then he wrote the novel. But I had read all his other novels. I had read all this, Robert Heinlein, Robert Heinlein, Isaac Asimov, everybody. And so at the end of the movie, I was just, again, I just, oh, this was a real science fiction movie. It was just awesome. I, under, I completely understood it. And I went into the bathroom at the end 
And all these other people from New York were in the bathroom at the urinals going, I don't get it. Do you get it? <laughs> I don't know. What the hell's happening here? Why do they suddenly turn south? I don't know. I should make them, I should make them New York guys. Hey, I don't get it. I don't get this thing at all. And I'm like, and I'm sitting at my, I'm standing in my urinal going, what? It's obvious. It's so obvious. I mean, I haven't read the novel. It was so obvious. I mean, he was traveling the alien zoo, you know. I mean, yeah. But yeah. again, this was I saw it when it came out. Wow. Yeah. There was and there wasn't anything like it at the time, except Forbidden Planet, The Day of the Instant Still, Planet of the Apes. So but then, Rick, but Rick, look yeah. at the impact this movie had on all three of us. Yes. We saw it at all three different times. Right. And you'll notice that it's yeah. very important because nobody copied it except 2010, hey. which I always call <laughs> a Dick and Jane version of 2001. Frank, this, I, have, I have not seen the sequel. It, should I watch it? Should yes, I give of it a course shot? you should. You should. You should. Okay. 2010 is the movie for those guys in the bathroom. Because <laughs> it says, this is what that movie is about. <laughs> This is what it's about. This, see, is, this, this is why, how, when, not. Yes, this is what this is. This is what this means. I, am I talking too fast for this you? This is why you see that computer malfunction. Yes, it explains. This is 2010 explains 2001 for oh, people God. who didn't get it. But I, no, again, I thought <clears> the, the final, you know, final third of the movie really kind of redeem itself. <sighs> well, okay. But you love, you you know, it's not enough for me. The whole movie has to be great. As I was going to say, and also I judge science fiction movies on whether it still works if you take the visuals away. If you take the visuals away and it still works, then it's a good movie. But if you need the visuals and you need the last 10 minutes to make it work, I'm sort of like going, not good enough. For, not good enough for me, the stickler. Yeah. Anyway, but then you'll see the huge gap. Uh, uh, Planet of the Apes and 2001 was 1968. My next favorite science fiction, and I'm biased, was more. Th was more. Th it was 11 years later, which was Alien. And again, that was a spectacular experience. I was working at Starlog Magazine. I was working at Famous Monsters of Filmland, and I was working with Warren Publishing, who had the tie-in to do the official Alien magazine, which I was the head writer of. And so I got to go to the set in England. I got to interview everybody. I got I got along extremely well with H.R. Giger. Oh, that's that was unforgettable. I go visit him because he's here for the premiere. We all went to the premiere too. He's here for the premiere with his wonderful French wife. And he's at a, a suite at the Sherry Netherland. And he's talking to me and he's on the sofa and I'm facing him on the sofa. Uh, he's on the sofa, I'm on the seat. And behind him, his wife, is getting ready for the premiere. And she's getting ready for the premiere by taking off her shirt, by taking off her bra, and she just goes back and forth from, you know, and, and I'm trying to look directly at um, Giger because his wife is just walking by, you know, naked as a jaybird, and it's like going, ah, I love the foreigners. In any case, uh, and then we saw the movie. I know it's a knockoff. I know it's a horror movie. Uh, but it, but it's so well done and so many great science fiction concepts and holds together and the first major female hero. So love that. And then of course, I also, you know, the reason I don't talk about the sequel now is because that's on my action list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, cause this wasn't, this was more of a horror movie than an action movie, but it was 
very cerebral, very smart, so very good. strong. Very so good. good. Then the two, the next two are my science fiction, my Star Treks that aren't action movies, which is two and four, which are the best ones. We were at the premiere of one as well. Uh, because I, uh, I talked, Douglas Trumbull was in attendance at uh, number one. And he said, and, and I said, oh my God, it's Douglas Trumbull. The guy who did the special effects for 2001 Space Odyssey. And I talked to him about that. And he said, yeah, I was brought in to save this movie. Not this one, but number one, Star yeah. Trek number one, because uh, the Robert Abel, who was supposed to be doing the special effects, couldn't do special effects and just spent millions upon millions of dollars and didn't have one inch of usable footage. So they brought in Douglas Trumbull at the last possible second to do as much as he could. So that was an amazing experience. And then finally, Wrath of Khan. Khan! Yeah, I, had to, I had to do it once. And then... Khan! Yeah, there we go. Yeah, and William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and just great emotion and great saving of the film. And then Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, also, just wonderful, loving movie with the whole gang, and it was just great. Now, hold on, next, I just want to cut in real quick on Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, please. I always regret them not being able to shoot that scene with the, with the young Zulu or the grandfather of Zulu. Remember, right? It's the scene where they had supposed Zulu was supposed to meet up with his great grandfather, whatever, as a kid in right. Chinatown. Right. But, but the kid was missing, you know, the kid just couldn't, the kid was too excited or too scared, kept crying, or whatever. And so Nimmo had no choice have to cut that scene. You know, they couldn't they couldn't shoot that scene. So yeah. that scene was discarded. And I was I was always I always wish that they could have been you know, they would have been able to um, you know shoot that scene. Now. Oh absolutely. And again, you look at that Star Trek was so far ahead of everybody. Look at that crew, all different races, all different uh, sexes, all the rest of it. Very far ahead, very smart, and very loving, which is something else. The next movie is similar to some of the movies that you mentioned in your honorary mentions, uh, Fat. And again, my example of Darren Aronofsky, his, I think his first film was this one, Pi. I still have not seen this. I've heard nothing but good things about there it. There is a moment in this movie that, again, I just was totally blown away by. Because, again, this is all mind candy. It's a very mm. cheap film. Okay. It's, it's very tacky looking. But it works so powerfully because it's all ideas. I was... I was told when I was starting to write science fiction, um, one of my uh, one of the authors said, "Science fiction is just like everything else. Writing is just putting words together. But in science fiction, you get a choice of so many more words. There's so many more you can use in science fiction. And you also know science fiction is powerful because as soon as you put science fiction in a romance or in a mystery or in an action, it becomes science fiction. Right. So." Pi is just one of the great science fiction movies. It's, I'll give you a little hint, it is a time travel. Oh, it's a, it's, okay. But it's done, it's Darren Aronofsky. And I sort, of got, I sort of went, this is a guy to watch. And sure enough, he was. And then another great thought, it's, it's, it could have been on my action list too, because it, it has two or three really magnificent action movies and I had a hard time deciding which list it would go on. But this is a good segue segue to the action ones. And that is 2006's Children of Men. Have either of you guys seen that? I have yeah, not. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. I have not. No. In yeah. incredibly uh again the action sequences, the camera work, but also the thought 
the intelligence. It's real science fiction. It's not sci-fi. Because we were told when I was going to my the big science fiction adventures, the world science fiction conventions, constantly the authors were going, "Don't call it sci-fi." <laughs> but unfortunately, we we couldn't find SF didn't work well enough because everybody would go, "What San Francisco?" No, <laughs> so, so it wound up taking over. But then again, all the movies have become dumber, and and also all the ideas have been used up. It's very hard to do new science fiction because Isaac Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke and Robert Heinlein and Clifford Simic and Theodore Sturgeon and all the really greats have done them. Nobody, nobody's doing it better. Same thing with mysteries, but that's another list. All right, now Frank, science oh, fiction. Oh, you done? Yep. That's ten. Okay. That's ten, and you do your ten action, and it's then I do my ten. action time. All right, action time. All right, here we go. So my top ten sci-fi action film. Number ten again, Peter Heim's friend, a fan. So I have to put Outland in it. Oh, I've got to I stop know. You. I, why do you think I, I hate this movie? Why do you think I hate it? It's a stupid There's, story. It's in the po no. What? The story is okay. It's it's all in the as a science fiction writer and as a science fiction fan. It's all in the poster. I'm the glad gun. you put up the poster. He's on a space station. The whole, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the whole movie takes place on a space station. What's the one thing you should never? Bring to a fucking space station gun, a shotgun. shotgun yeah, shotgun. Yeah, that's insane. But it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> stupid. It's incredible. It's stupid. But it's high noon in space. Rick. Noon in space. I understand that, but you have to mm -hmm. also under again. They didn't know science fiction. They did a western in space, so they said we can just like every other action movie. We can Underrated. shoot guns on a space station. No, you can't. <laughs> You look, kill it, everybody. I mean, look, it has to <laughs> supposedly have the first uh, action sequence in a Hollywood film using Steadicam. That's and why? Why should I care about that? <laughs> I mean, I just liked it. I mean, like, I guess you know. No, something, no, so look, I, thing I'll, is, I'll stop talking. But no, no, yeah, I know. No, I completely understand. But what I'm trying to say is, like, sometimes you have film that you saw <laughs> as a kid that really kind of imprint in your mind. I saw yeah. this as a kid. Well, I, I understand it. that. Hey, I, got, I have to I, think I was. I got it on Blu-ray, man. I, re I, I was represent. Much, I have it on two Blu. I bought two Blu-rays. I that. was much more of a cerebral child. Look at the size of my head. <laughs> cerebral, which is fine. I mean, I'm just. I can. I love cerebral stuff too. But I, I just thought Outland was fun. Was gritty. You know, yeah. Sean Connery was great. It's a, again, it's a fun movie. But man, I could not get over bringing a shotgun onto his face, baby. <laughs> so I get over. I, mean, it's, it's, I can't. I right. can't. Okay, Go number ahead. nine. Now, number nine. I I I yeah, number nine is the fifth element. Uh, yes. Again, great world building, great visual, great costumes, great effects, and it introduced me to the greatness that is Chris Tucker. I can tell you, I can tell you stories about Chris Tucker as told to me by Jackie Chan. But the other thing that I loved about Fifth Element, and the actually the only thing I loved about the Fifth Element. Is that it? Tell it shows you because you know there's so many amazing science fiction French comic books called Bande Dessinée, and that's basically inspired, if not directly based, mm. on bon a Bande Dessinée story. But the thing is, I would always see these Bande Dessinées in the in the Par Parisian comics shops. Which, if you love comic books, you've got to go to Paris and, and also J Japan and go to their comic shops. But then my my French friends would say, do you, did you read the dialogue? I go, I don't know enough French to read the dialogue. They say, it's incredibly stupid. All the dialogue, the artwork is spectacular, but all the dialogue is awful. 
So that's what I thought of the fifth element. I mean, it was like it's done by Luc Besson, yeah, Luc who's Besson. also French. So yeah, he's still in the tradition of his stuff, right? So, but I even like his later film, that another sci-fi with the Valentine, the planets of the, you know, the. the, the oh yeah, that's another. But actually, that's very accurate to the actual book, which uh, Bandesine. But mm -hmm. again, very turgid and stupid. Right, I, I like that one too. But Fifth Element, mm -hmm. I saw it in it's New York colorful. Times. Yeah, yeah, it's called. Yeah, I need, right. I need to get this in 4K, man. Yes, you should. Sure. Yeah, you need to get in 4K. For Bruce it. Willis kicking ass at the end. And Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And also Muti Pass. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Number eight is kind of like a tie, but not really because they're both by the same director. So I have Inception and Tenet. Yeah, Tenet. Well, you didn't even think of Tenet until I reminded you. That is true, though. I have to agree. I have to agree because Inception, I love it so much. I saw it in the theater three times. Um, Me too. Wow. Me too. Yeah, one of the rare films where I actually went to see more than twice. Tenet, you know, I think it, it will eventually grow. I mean, it. it I saw when I first saw it, I, I wasn't very satisfied with it. They kind of grew on me, and I, I thought. Well, yeah, I'll, it's also on my list, and I'll I'll tell you something about it that will hopefully help your next viewing of it. Okay, but but I I'm, I'm gaining an appreciation for Tenet more and more. So good. Okay, number seven. So from here on, these are all series. Okay, I'm just going to group them in series. Yeah. So these are not yeah. single films. Right. Uh, number seven is a tie: uh, the Predator and the Terminator series. So you know, I, again, you see, I I yeah. can't, I just can't, <laughs> just because it's part of the series, I, I can't accept really bad. Uh, episodes of the series. I love both of these, and they're on my list. But I'm not going to give I'm not going to give the bad ones in the series a pass just because they're in the series. I don't do it for James Bond or any series. There are good James Bond movies. There are bad James Bond movies. There are good Terminator movies. There are bad Terminator movies. Bad Predator movies. And so I'm not going to give those a pass. Well, maybe, but yes, maybe, maybe Frank great likes the bad ones. Do you like the bad ones? <laughs> well, the Predator. I like one, two, and Prey. I thought those are great. Yeah, Prey is awesome. Prey is awesome. And Terminator, I like one, two, four. I actually love Salvation. Don't ask me why. I just I, I just I, find the film. I'm not going to ask you why. Okay. <laughs> and, and the last one, what, Dark Fate? Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the action was fine, but yeah. 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 So, so, okay. And the next, number six, the Mac Mac series. Yeah. yeah not... Action is just incredible. And, of course, the fact that I knew the guy who did action on... Uh, Fury Road and Furiosa and Richard Norton. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, it's wonderful action, wonderful. I trade. can't, I can't forgive Thunderdome. I love Thunderdome. Okay, I just like I the to, how it's so different. I used to hate it. It's it's grown on me now. I like yes. Thunderdome now. It's okay. It's, it's my, I like it the first. It's time my I least favorite of the four. Yeah, it's not the worst. Yeah, I just liked it the first time. I just oh wow, this is different. I like I like yeah. it sometimes when filmmakers surprise me. So yeah, I like I like it now. Yeah. 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 All right, so the next five, you know, uh, the next, yeah. So the now we're at number five. So the next five candidate, they, you know, they in a way they kind of like is they can be in any order. All right, these top five, so they can be in any order. And each one of them, any anyone can be number one. So the first Star Wars series, <laughs> oh jeez, right uh, for <laughs> yeah. obvious reason. Okay. Um, number four, the Alien series. I like all Alien films. Even oh, that last uh, one made me. I hated the last one. Which one, Confident? No, co yeah, Covenant. Covenant, oh, yeah. It was stunningly hateful. Well, that ending, though. I love that ending. Oh, really? You? Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Look, right. I love Prometheus. Uh, Prometheus also grew on me, you know. Oh. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> hey. 
Is this Frank's picks? All right, no, Frank. Yeah, my pick. Right. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, no, I like how different each one of them was. And I, I'm and just telling. Three, I'm just telling people I didn't like. Right. No, Alien Three. Even the, you know, Alien Three no. is a great movie. You have to watch the assembly cut. Not not the theatrical version. Yes. You got to watch yes. the assembly assembly cut yeah. for Alien Three to appreciate how great that movie was. All right. Uh, so that's number four. Number three, yeah. the, the Transformers series. Okay. I I love the Michael Bay ones. I I don't like the late like the latest two that much. In fact, I really hated the last one, the most <laughs> good for you the beast one, the one with the Beast War. But I love especially the two with Mark Wahlberg. I don't. I thought those were great. I enjoyed those. Yeah, okay. Age of Extinction and the Last Night, particularly the Last Night. I love the Last Night. Um, number two, Matrix. Ex again, the Matrix series. Again, all of them? No, maybe not the last one. I have to say. <laughs> well, the Matrix trilogy then. The trilogy. Thank you. Okay. The Matrix trilogy. Okay. Has, I mean, bro, and I was so lucky to have seen the world premiere of the Matrix at the uh, yeah. Warner Brothers Studio in Burbank. You know, my friend Mark Walker invited me to go see it. I mean, cause that was at that time. Yeah. Nobody knew about the film. Hi, hey, Gilbert. Nobody knew about the film. So when we were watching it, we realized, wow, you know, this is this is some great shit, you know. So yeah, to yeah, be yeah. able to discover the greatness of a film at the same time as others, I mean, that was a great experience, you know. And then afterward, we have a Q and A with you know, like Keanu and Carrie. That's Anderson. that's awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I even asked a question, uh, like, why you guys hire you more pain? You know, why not Cheng Tiu Dong? I asked, and and then they just said, well, we because Iron Monkey is our favorite Hong Kong movie. So yeah, they have to get you more pain. Right. All right, so the, the, the number one. Then, then the main reason I chose this as my number one in the, my favorite. <laughs> the, Go ahead. the main reason I chose this as my number one is okay. because these are all created out of thin air, right? I mean, it's, there's nothing is real, but then they he made it real. So I, I to me, this has to be the obvious, you know, choice. Okay. Number one, because nothing was real, but yeah, he made it so real. And this is of course the Avatar series. Well, so far I only have two films, but. Yeah, I mean, I just can't wait to see the the rest of the. Yes, you can wait. You're waiting right now. I know you're about to say that. <laughs> I mean, I just thought this is a great achievement in terms of visuals, in terms of design. I mean, effects and stuff, and like the whole again world building, whole world created out of thin air, all in the computer environment. Nothing is real. I mean, to me, that was just I I, I was endlessly impressed. So that's my number one. Yeah. All Excellent. right, very good. By the way, I'll tell you why they didn't get Cheng Si Dong. Because he wasn't malleable. Yun Wu Ping, I talked to Yun Wu Ping about this. I said, why don't you take over when you come here and show them the way they should be doing it? He goes, no, they hired me. I'll do whatever they tell me to do. Ching Sing Dong would not do that. Ah. That's why they didn't hire him. Hmm. Okay. There's right. a lot of instances of that. I've, got, I've gotten uh, talked to the uh, Hong Kong stars about where it's like, oh, yeah, Stephen Fong with... Uh, that uh, into the Badlands, but anyway, oh. enough of that. Okay. Now my turn. All righty. Ready? Uh, do you want to do your honorable mentions first before we get to the? No, I don't care. Okay, I'll bring it up anyway. Okay. Well, War of the Worlds was an honorable mention, as was yeah. Wall E. Yes. Because uh, that's Wall E is my kind of movie where that's the way. If it has humans in the movie, that's Oops, I want them sorry. to be. Yeah, I want them to be humans. I don't want them to be computer, but when but when it's animation, I don't have a problem. So those are the ones I like better. Uh, quick thoughts on the uh, War of the Worlds remake with uh, Tom Cruise. Not not very good. Okay. <laughs> I right. thought it ended quickly too. 
Yeah. It's a, I wish it ended quicker. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. All right. I'm it's doing action these in time. chronological order as I saw them. Okay. As I was growing. Number yes. one, Star yes. Wars. Not the whole series, Star Wars. And The Empire Strikes Back. To my mind, along with Rogue One, the best movies in the series. Oh, Rogue One's fantastic. Yeah. Those were the three best movies. Yes. Uh, I mean, in fact, this this book was supposed to come out uh, before Return of the Jedi. And then they said, no, we're going to hold up the publication until you can see Return of the Jedi. And the last chapter of this, the afterword in this book is Return of the Jedi. And I remember seeing Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, the third one is going to be, the, the third movie in the trilogy is going to be incredible, astonishing, amazing, because because Lucas set up all this stuff. He set up, he had, you know, I was picking up all the clues. I was picking up all the little uh, herring, red herrings. all up. So the third one I knew was going to be astonishing because... The, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Yoda was saying, no, there is another, and all these other setups. Right, right. And then I see Return of the Jedi. Oh, man. And all the setups are thrown out the window. <sighs> They're not even addressed. And I'm going, what the F, man? It should have been, at the end, the other should have been Leia. She should have shown up at the end as the other. Because when, when Darth is about to destroy, or the Emperor is about to destroy Luke, she should have showed up. They would have done it together. And also, yeah. the, uh, just there was so so much wrong with that yeah. third one. Yeah, no, I was so disappointed with it. And also, the, yeah, go ahead. And also, my ending was spoiled. We were waiting in line. You know, just remember there was a time when you still wait in line to get into yeah. the movie theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I was waiting in line, and then this father and son just came out from the last oh. showing. And then the father, the, the son, you know what? They're walking up our line, right? Because they're leaving. You know, yeah. The son just yelled out, "Dad, why did Darth Vader have to die?" Oh, oh. no way! Well, that that so sucks. <laughs> I don't care about that as long as the movie's good. And the movie wasn't good, wow. so it didn't bother no, me. The movie wasn't good. I saw Star Wars. I was going to the University of Bridgeport. I had I was living in this wonderful little house with all everybody in the house. It was three stories, like. Of six apartments, and we were all University of Bridgeport students. One of the great, with uh, Thanksgiving coming up next week, I was reminded of the great Thanksgivings I've had all over the world. And one of the great ones was in this house, right off of campus, where we didn't ha we didn't eat until eleven p.m. because the, the the turkey had to cook, and but we were having an amazing time. So with this gang, it was premiering, and I said, let's. Let's go. Let's all go. So we all got on the train because we were within walking distance of the Bridgeport train station. We all got on the train. We went into New York. We went to the Lowe's Astor Plaza where it was showing. We went to the second show. We didn't get there in time for the first show. And they started showing the movie at like 8 in the morning. So we got in for like the 10, 10 a.m. show. And they put us online inside the theater. And we heard everything because we wanted to get we were like first online so we were in the front of the line so we heard the movie before we saw it and we were getting more and more excited because the sounds 
design in that movie was astonishing. And then we went in, we were in the middle, we were in the middle of the theater, in the, in the center of thing. Again, big, big theater. I don't know if you've been to the Lowe's Astor Plaza on Times Square. It was a, 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 just a great experience. I knew I recognized do, do, the worms from Dune. I recognized Flash Gordon. I recognized everything he borrowed from. It didn't matter. It, all, it has. I knew that he was basing the final uh, battle on the uh, uh, the Dun, not Dunkirk, the Dam Busters World War II movie. But mm -hmm. it didn't matter because he was giving it all new life. Just so much fun. I mean, uh, Harrison Ford's. Uh, I mean, he made up almost all his own dialogue. I he mean, shot he spent, first, by the way. I don't yeah, know he, of course yeah, no, he did. I first. saw that. We saw that clearly. Yeah, we saw but, that back in. I saw yeah. that back in seventy-seven. He shot first. God That's damn. right. And then, and then Empire Strikes Back, samurai film, <clears throat> very clearly a samurai film, with one of the great samurai sword fights of cinema. Yes. Which again, the the, the follow-up fight in Return of the Jedi was gravely yeah. disappointing. So there you go. So that takes care of Star Wars yeah. and Empire Strikes Back. Right. Road Warrior and Fury Road. Hey, my two favorites. Yeah, exactly. The two best. I liked Mad Max, but it didn't compare to Road Warrior. I, I liked uh, Thunder. I tolerated Thunderdome. Mm -hmm. Didn't compare to Fury Road. And those were both really. And again, the action design on all these movies so far were special, were revolutionary, changed yeah. things, mm -hmm. inspirational, kept moving. Again, my my attitude about as again if you take the visuals out if the movie still holds up then it's a great movie here if you see the fights and you and you're able to understand character and plot through the fighting the fighting is not just wasted movement and doesn't doesn't exist to fill time it fills time it exist the fights the action exists to give you more information and feed mm -hmm. your brain as well as your yeah. eye and also to make you feel something. Most of the action today, as people who watch the action film autopsy know, that I feel it's most of it is empty movement yeah. and that it doesn't make you feel anything. It just fills time. The, this, these action movies added to the, the mental experience as well as the visual experience. And this made for a great versus episode, too. If you That's guys right. <laughs> go back and watch that one, that was epic. That yeah, was good right. about versus. And then number three was Terminator and Terminator 2. Electric Boogaloo. None of the other Terminators. None <laughs> of the other Terminators. These were these were both, and 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 you know, and it was like Terminator One was really good, and then Terminator Two doubled down, made it better, made it stronger, made him a hero. And also, all my viewers know that I prefer heroes to villains. So the fact they made him a hero, because I was I was at Terminator going, gee, I wish he, I wish they had made him a hero, and then. Boom. Listen to me and made him a hero. Two classics. And, and it was just great. Then four, we get to the great action. Yes. Aliens, one of the great action movies of all time. Again, doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down, made it into a war movie and a war movie with great humanity and again, incredibly strong female characters. Yeah. And as much as I appreciate that you liked Alien 3, Frank, I will never forgive them for killing Newt and uh, the other one at the start. I don't know. I, I thought it was fine. I remember I, of course you did, but yeah. I did. Because, you know, I thought it was, again, different, you know. Well, I, also, like, I, I also know the story behind it. I also had met Ronald Shusett. 
I also mm. I met the producers and the writers, and I also knew the story that yeah. they used at the that 20th Century Fox used Alien Three to stop women from getting a toehold in action movies. Because Alien Two comes out and Thelma and Louise comes out, and suddenly all the racists and sexists in Hollywood say, "Well, we've got to do something to keep them from getting." You know, we, we don't want them to get a, a toehold. So they created a bunch of movies with women as the action stars, and they designed each of the movies to fail. Hmm. And Alien 3 failed originally because they, they hired Fincher, and Fincher could have saved it, but they undercut him in the editing room as well. Yeah. And so, you know, there's no way I could like that movie considering I knew what they did to the movie. But Aliens... Awesome classic sauce. oh yeah. yeah then again jurassic park one Just of the to, one of the yeah. greatest theatrical experiences for me for a yeah. little young for a young samurai yeah especially so, back then when i i didn't see there weren't it's not like today where there's five billion trailers yeah. there's trailers before the trailers start there's eight billion tv spots so i didn't really see anything and they were like hey you want to go see jurassic park i was like what the hell is that so imagine going to see that and just <laughs> I and the, it was loud and it was also this was the birth this was the first dts movie exactly yes. exactly yes. and it was still the best oh yeah it's still oh, yeah. the best because they were trying to make it look real they weren't yeah. trying to say look what we can do with the computer they didn't want you to think about the computer for a second it was just like there's a real fucking dinosaur on screen Everything about that movie was, and also same year as Schindler's List. Steven Spielberg, while he was waiting for something on Schindler's List, made this, and it was just like, just yeah, again, awesome, awesome first time experience. The next, yeah, Matrix. Keanu Reeves does not know kung fu. (laughs) There is a moment in the movie, of course, where he says he looks at them and he goes, "I know kung fu," but if you notice. The little, the little disc that they put into the machine to teach him, it said karate on it. It, didn't it also said Mantis, if you go back and watch it. Well, no, they may have changed that, because when I saw it, it just said karate. I could have uh, sworn I saw Drunken Boxing, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Drunken Mantis. I mean, I definitely remember like the Mantis. Like they put that in afterwards. <laughs> it's, it's, the same way, it's the same way they took Burt Kwok out of Goldfinger. When I saw Goldfinger, Burt Kwok was in it. And then when I saw one of the reissues, he wasn't in it. They used the computer to digitally change that. Mr. Anderson. Yeah. He was great. Keanu Reeves had bad balance. Lawrence Fishburne had bad balance. But the movie itself, again, revolutionized. I told you. Yeah. Very nice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then, Inception. Just amazing, amazing action. uh, mind candy, eye candy, and again, it had the ending where it doesn't matter what you think. You know, the is the is it real? Is he in the fantasy still? It doesn't matter. It was it was a statement about life. Mm. Life is but a dream. It could be real. It, this could be real. This could be fake. We don't know. Inception was just again a wonderful mind and eye candy movie. The combination of the two just. Tremendous. Then next, Predator and, hey. Predator and Predator Prey only. Not the other ones. 
just those two. Oh, two of them. And, and, and if they're doing the one in World War One, I'm hoping that that will be good. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. And no, I want to do a samurai version. That yeah. would be that would also be awesome. Yeah. Yes. If again it has the same director and they do it the same way. Mm-hmm. The thing I loved about Predator Prey is again made the female the star and it also made a female act female. She wasn't copying her big brothers. She was and they were making fun of her for the very reason why she succeeded at the end because she used their brain. She wasn't trying to prove how tough and badass she was. She was trying to prove how smart and effective she was, and she does. And, of course, I love that. All right. Then the next two in terms of, again, these these were astonishing. These were my last great theatrical experiences. I haven't had another great theatrical experience since these two movies. To see, to hear everybody gasp and see everybody cry in the first one. I saw the, I saw yeah. Infinity War twice, and yeah. I love the fact that they cried. Both audiences I went to cried at the same time, and all and everybody. And then Endgame. Oh my God, I saw that. At, I saw that four times. Damn. And not only did they, and not only did they cry at the same time, they laughed, they cried, and they cheered, all in unison as yep. one big family. And again, I've said this on the show several times, the fact that they that Marvel, Feige, and Disney pulled that off made the most success, made 22 movies that built upon each other and ended with the most successful one of all time at the time and also created a movie that was living proof of why you should go to movie theaters and see this with people. It proved that. And the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences not only doesn't award award it for that uh, incredible accomplishment that they say they're dedicated to, that, they, that Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola are always saying, you should go to the movie theaters. And Endgame showed you why you should go to movie theaters. Not only did they not award it, they didn't even mention it. In fact, Scorsese and Coppola both denigrated it. Both said, this is crap. And I'm going, this is living proof of what you guys are trying to do. Your latest movie didn't do it, Marty. So again, I just, astonishing experience in the theaters. Now... I just want to quickly say the reason I didn't include any Marvel Marvel movies on my list is because I treat them more as superhero comic book movies. Sure, yeah, that's fine. It's not like I don't like any of them. I I love. But this is clearly this is. But as far as I was concerned, this was clearly science fiction. Had aliens. You could do both. Yeah, 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 of course. And well, I, like, well, well, like with the I love the Mad Max movies, but they weren't on my list because I consider them post-apocalyptic films. Mm-hmm. Well, so it works. Are. It works both ways. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Captain America, I wouldn't put in science fiction. Iron Man, I probably would. But even so, the it, since we had these two, and it was everybody all at once, and had it was a spectacular emotional experience as well as a visual experience. I had to include them. But then the final one. Give me a second. Let me sh- oh, am I, gonna <laughs> I, clicked, say it? I clicked on the All wrong right. one. Hold it's on. the That's same. It's, it's basically the same as Loki. And that is Tenet. Here's the deal Christopher Nolan 
loves movies. He loves entertainment films. He loves art movies, but he also loves entertainment movies. And there are two entertainments that he loves above all and puts, and he has been wait, he has been putting little James Bond scenes. There's a wonderful homage to Honor Majesty's Secret Service in Inception. He does an entire section allowing Tom Hardy to audition for the role of James Bond in Inception. It's, it's in the snow, it's up on the mountaintop, it's Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And I'm watching this movie and I sort of went, oh my God, no. As the movie goes on going, oh my God, no. Because I think between the three of us, who's the one person who has seen every single Doctor Who episode? It's not you guys. It's me. I was one of the first um, writers, professional writers, who promoted Doctor Who in America. In, in Future Magazine and in Starlog Magazine, I said, you got to watch this amazing science fiction show from England. And that's, I mean, my first Doctor was the third Doctor. I got to meet him. And I've been meeting those guys ever since. The end of this movie, I mean, throughout this movie, there are all sorts of little winks and nods and, you know, like Christopher Nolan is going, look at this, look at this. This is right out of Doctor Who. This is right out of Doctor Who. And I'm sort of going, oh my fucking God. The end of the movie, the last 15 minutes, he takes an entire sequence verbatim from the Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi era of Doctor Who. This tenant is, Doctor, is Christopher Nolan's Doctor Who movie. And I went, huh. oh, well, Sean, I should show you the picture of me and John Pertwee together. It's just great. We, we, we're getting along great. This is Dr. And, and what's awesome about Loki, it's not really Loki until the very end, the, the episode you haven't seen yet, Frank. Up until that, it's Doctor Hookie. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I had the Doctor Who. I can feel they that. Had, they, had, they, had, they had everything but the TARDIS. And, if, and that last, I think you've seen the episode where he goes, it's not about what, it's not about where. He, about he actually says it, it's about who. Yeah. And I went, yes, it is about who. <laughs> so Tenant is a Doctor Who movie. So, wow, Tenant was on both of you guys' lists. Well, yeah, now Tenet. I'm curious if I should go back and give it another shot. Because oh, I didn't even finish it. I just But like, also understand that it's a Doctor <laughs> I Who I was movie. like, I'm done with it. Watch the new, watch the new Doctor Who. Because okay. what they're doing with the new Doctor Who is uh -huh. they're rebooting it, okay? And the next and the next episode, they're bringing back ten as fourteen to write a wrong that they should have taken care of. Uh -huh. and I'm hoping he writes all the wrongs, right? And right. then when the new guy starts, they're calling it season one. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Oh. Season one? Yeah, season one, not season thirty-one. Okay. Well, okay. that's that's gonna be on Disney Plus on the twenty-first. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So well. On the 25th, they're doing the first new episode with yeah. the 14th Doctor. Oh, I thought the 21st. Right. Is the 25th? Right. No, no, it's the 25th, I believe. Right. But I'll, well, I'll, I'll watch it on the 21st. So that's well, that. yes. this was a blast. Both of you guys' list was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, I kind of had to bootleg my list, <laughs> but I have a lot of my favorites on there. Who know? You know what it is with lists. Five, six, eight months from now, we do this again. I'll probably have different movies on Somebody there. said they want us to do a fantasy. They do. Fantasy. And a Kung Fu one. They do. And a Kung Fu one. Yeah. And for me, do I'm a down. Do yeah. a mystery one. I'd love down. to do a mystery sure. one. Sure. Sure. Why not? Why yeah. not? But this was a blast. Always talking cinema with these two amazing gents. 
Follow them in the description box below. That's right. Follow Rick and Frank. Don't forget the contract. That's right. Go to the Indiegogo. Click on the link. Support it. Let's make an action movie together. Uh, but this was a lot of fun. So let us know in the comments below, for those of you that are going to be you watching have, this not live, let us know your top 10 lists, sci-fi films, do and action piece, films. Do you have the piece of me? Do you have the piece of me clip? Oh, <laughs> hold on one second. Yeah, do you have the piece of me clip. Oh, yeah. Got to gotta, gotta put that in there. Here we go. Yeah. You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? Oh, you want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? You got it! Get a piece of Rick. <laughs> it's all it's all on Tai Chi Alchemy. Uh, all my posters, all my collectibles, all my it's stuff. In the, it's in the link below, too. Oh, Flurkin. Look, a Flurkin. Goose. Goose. It's our channel mascot. This is Gizmo here. Yes. Yay. Yeah, he's been trying to say hello to everybody. Uh, but yeah, this was a blast. Let us know in the comments below. Thanks again for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget, at 5.30, before this went live at 6, uh, we had a whole bunch of filmmakers, actors, and movie enthusiasts uh, tell that. us uh, their own video in the video, their favorite sci-fi film. So make sure you guys watch that as well. All right, guys. Go keep watching Marvel. movies. Higher for the faster, man. Yeah, keep watching movies. Enjoy life, and I'll see you guys on the next one. Take care, guys.